Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solves your freelance challenges one episode at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Katie Carlisle, and I run a Squarespace web design and training business under the brand of Squarespace Queen. And my name's Michelle Pratt, owner of Dive Thiever Development, and I'm a business development trainer and coach. And today we're going to be talking about communicating online. So for a lot of us, that's been a new reality for, well, it's not that new anymore. It's been a reality for us for about six months now, possibly before then as well, if you were already doing remote training or remote meetings or anything like that. But even though we've kind of got ourselves into a bit of a Zoom routine, how much thought have you actually given to how you communicate online and if you're doing it effectively? So that's something that we're going to look at today. And with the rules around meeting up seemingly being tightened all the time at the moment of recording this, we're, we're talking about the possibility of a second wave of coronavirus and things being locked down more. So it looks like we're going to be communicating online for the foreseeable future. So Michelle, I guess the first question is why why would communicating or building a rapport with somebody over distance be harder and what do we need to think about yeah i mean we're all used to using digital communication and many people have have grown up using it so it's not like this technology is new to us but i think a lot of people are having to use it probably more than ever before and this can make things a little trickier because whereas before like for us Katie we we would normally meet on a Friday or every other Friday face to face we are now solely relying on being just over online only about seven percent of the impact of our communication is done by the words that we use so when you're emailing or when you're sending messages to people you're only really though you're losing out on a lot of that context so of course we don't have the tone of voice so i think everybody has received an email where they've misconstrued the the tone of voice that people are receiving (laughs) like is that person being blunt or are they just you know short on time and then we miss a lot from the facial expressions a lot of that subtext is missing um, I think the other thing is we mentioned on this podcast before mirror mirror neurons. You know, when we're face to face, involuntary actions trigger the same sort of the same neural pathways that are happening in your brain would also be triggered in mine. So in that sense, we're sharing an experience. And uh, over distance, we have like the impression that we're communicating or we're connecting, but there is something missing there. And I think that subtext that's missing, that feeling a connection can cause people both to feel isolated, but actually for things to get lost in translation as well, perhaps we don't get the depth of communication. I mean, Katie, you've, you've been working from home for quite a while. I mean, do you feel that you miss a bit of that connection over distance or do you prefer it? A bit of both actually. So I think for communicating like with my peers, as in other freelancers, I prefer the face-to-face, but with clients, I'm actually quite happy doing it remotely. Um, I think it's cut out for me, and it's cut out a lot of unnecessary meetings, and they haven't necessarily all become Zoom meetings. So for me, it's actually worked out quite well because I was spending a lot of time driving about to meetings when I used to have work locally. And actually, I guess in some ways, I I sort of was set up for this a, a bit in advance because we moved to Anglesey, last year and so I'd already kind of primed my local clients around Manchester and Sheffield to let them know that I wouldn't be available as easily for face-to-face meetings so we'd already started doing remote meetings a bit more and so that was really helpful. I think for me what I'm finding hard is doing training 
communicating like you know like in workshop contexts I'm finding that quite hard so one-to-one training I've been doing remotely already and I kind of think I found that okay but like doing a group workshop over zoom I've sort of got to the point where I can do it and people have a good experience but I don't feel like I get the same communication it's hard to kind of look at everybody's faces at once and look at my screen and um you know understand how much they're getting it and I feel like I'm not as funny online as well um I don't know why yeah okay so I don't know if that comes across as well like when I'm in person I feel like I can especially if it's in a group context I'll kind of like you know like vibe off people and I don't know I find it easier to be funny and bring a lightened mood I think I feel like I come across as a bit more serious on on zoom calls and stuff yeah in a group I know the reason why I sort of checked in on that I think in I, I, I hear people who say it so I know people who you know part of their their brand if you like or the way of working is their personality but one of the things I notice is that people go a bit wooden when they get behind the zoom call or the or the re, you know they yeah they just get a bit wooden they stiffen up a bit and get almost uh, not quite rabbit in the headlights but then like you say they're not maybe as expressive so I think it is possible to still be humorous provided that you're not doing visual gags or mime of course um you can you can be humorous over uh over a physical distance I think there's no reason to do it but I think a lot of people do dial, dial down their personality a bit so I know I know what you mean um what about you have you found it you see i'm i do obviously use virtual classroom training i've mentioned that before so i'm accustomed to facilitating sessions online so i'm really used to communicating over distance like this and i'm used to remote working as well because i've done that for years also and so it's fine so i'm functioning i'm not one of these people that are finding that it's difficult to function or do my job but I did find that before I went on a holiday, um, I realised that the mental impact not physically meeting people was having on me personally. I'd almost become a little bit insular and was really struggling to pick up the phone to people a little bit. And I realised I'd probably left it a bit too long to reach out to people. So I think that human contact and that that more, I don't know, that more authentic connection, I think it's very hard to replace. And I, so I find it easy, but it's not enough if that makes sense I don't know if it does yeah I'm I think I'm the same like from a from a purely professional standpoint it's fine and yeah apart from the training which you know the group training is hard but again it's people still have a good experience of it but yeah I I really miss like meeting people face to face like I I went to Manchester a few weeks ago and that was the first time I'd seen a lot of my freelance friends since like before March and it was so nice to see people in person and just actually like, even in a socially distanced way, just catch up with people. Um, and, you know, I think, yeah, I did. It's not it's not the same doing it on Zoom. Um, and I think one of the things I'm really noticing is that I'm better in a group situation. So like I struggle, I think, with one-to-one communication there's a few people that I'm happy to just to sit and do an individual Zoom or an individual phone chat with. But in general, I much prefer communication, if it's kind of online especially, like online communication I prefer in a group setting. Um, I, I find, and, and maybe it's maybe it's that, that like normally if, you, if you're with somebody, you'd, maybe there'd be other things going on so you wouldn't feel you have to talk all the time. 
Yeah, no, that is one of the stresses that I find. Um, Zoom in particular is is one of the ones that um, I find very distracting. So I'm quite an auditory person anyway, but I prefer to tune into somebody's voice unless there is something on the screen that's happening that I need to look at and that we need to refer to. I find seeing everybody's faces a distraction. And that thing on Zoom where you can see everybody's faces down the side when you're looking at a presentation, I find that drives me crazy. Also, the fact that you can look at me while you're delivering the presentation, um, I tend to turn that feature off. I tend to hide it from view, um, and I just say to people, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to turn my camera off if I'm if I'm just listening. I'd like to make notes and focus because you do feel under this pressure to look engaged and like you're interested for sixty minutes. But if you and I were face to face for sixty minutes, we would never, you know, you would never expect me to look at you intently for sixty minutes. In fact, that would be really creepy if I did that. Um, <laughs> Like, could you imagine? And so I would probably stare out the window, look down at my pads, you know, scribble something with my pen. I would, you know, pop up and go to the loo. But on video call, I found that very intense. So I like to to block out any kind of input that isn't directly related to what we're trying to achieve. And so I've developed this discipline of saying to people, great, if you're presenting a slideshow, I'm just going to pop my camera off. Which is weird because I don't like it when I can't see people's faces, but I completely understand what you mean. Like, you know, yeah, if I'm doing a training workshop, like I want to, I want to see like if people are looking confused and things, because I think that's part of it is the like understanding whether people get it is really nonverbal. I think some of the times it's, you know, are they putting their head in their hands? Are they despairing? Are they kind of... Uh, you know this sort of frowning a little bit you know with a furrowed brow I think in those contexts like like you say you know they, they might not always feel comfortable to say it so a lot of that communication isn't verbal so I'd like to see people's faces if I can but practically it's hard you know I don't have two screens so it's hard for me as well if I'm looking at my screen because I'm sharing a website that I can't even I have to kind of move people's faces because they get in the way yeah, uh, and I can't see what I'm doing. So it's hard even practically to do that. But yeah, that's the bit that I think I struggle with the most is is that sort of... Yeah. And it's shown, you, you mentioned that you say you think you sound, uh, let, let perhaps come across as being less humorous. And, and actually, this is a reason why people go a little bit wooden when they start to communicate over video, for example, because um, they feel that they're performing. They feel like they're under the spotlight because, of course, the camera's there. I mean, one of the top tips for if you're using Zoom specifically is that if you click the menu button, you can show hide self view. You can take your own face out of that file of videos, which I absolutely love because that's really distracting to see myself but people do go a bit wooden for that reason they feel like they're on display like they've got to look a certain way act a certain way and of course it's not authentic and of course all of that really adds to a bit of a problem if you so one of the things people are trying to do at the moment is just replace face-to-face communication with video communication whether that's skype or zoom or teams or something but it, it doesn't really work it's not a perfect interaction one because you are feeling like you've got to be on display and that you do feel like you've got to look like you're concentrating for 60 minutes solid or even longer if you're unfortunate enough to be on a team team meeting. But there is also um, 
a cognitive dissonance as well. So there's a bit of a conflict. So our minds are together, but our bodies feel that we're not. So your brain knows that you are not really with another person. And that causes a conflict of feelings. And that conflict in your brain is really exhausting. So it's very hard to relax naturally into the conversation. But even just picking up those nonverbal clues makes your brain have to work that much harder to reconcile the fact that you're, you're being with someone and communicating with them but you're not physically with them which is a bit of a bit of a problem yeah it's almost like the phantom phantom limb phantom (laughs) phantom freelancers yeah you're there but you're not there yeah i like that idea of phantom freelancers and and it's interesting because when we we, we've been doing some zoom calls on fridays and that's really been a pick-me-up throughout the summer is just to sit with you guys on my desk i mean the nice thing about doing it over distance of course is that i can switch you all off and uh move you all to one side whenever whenever it Rude. gets too much um but it had but it did it really did give me the feeling like working across the desk looking at people on the laptop it wasn't the same but it did give me the the feeling of us working together or chatting together and when we did see people face to face i felt like we'd been together yeah what it, what it allowed us to do i think was have that continuity so that when we did see each other like you say it didn't feel like six months had passed because we'd still kind of checked in with each other the thing that I, I think I like about our Friday afternoons especially if there's a few of us is that like it is very relaxed and there isn't any pressure and you don't have to perform and so I think that does make it easier for the communication and it's it's a more sort of natural way of communicating because it's not you trying to be professional and perform as much so I definitely think that's that's been it's been really good. It's not been the same, but it's been really good to have those video calls and video options. And actually, in some ways, it's probably meant that I've had more in-depth conversations with people than I might have done in a face-to-face situation because we've sort of had that almost, that sort of space to fill, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. When I'm training people online, I find that I I assumed that because people were being recorded, because a lot of the calls are, that people would not be very forthcoming with their stories or anecdotes or reflecting on their personal experiences. What I found is people are prepared to share some very personal uh, information with people that they've never met. And so there is something about the safety of the keyboard or the safety of being behind the camera that makes people feel safe to open up when you don't have to look at people in the eye and see that see their reactions, I think. So it, it, can, it can create a closer relationship in some ways. And I think we've mentioned this a, a few times as well, but I think... I know you've talked about this, Michelle. How do we deal with silence in kind of online communication versus how it how it kind of works in real life? Yeah, I mean, silence is a challenge when you're communicating online because, you know, like we, we mentioned, if we were face to face, we would not be talking back and forth intently for 60 minutes. There would be pauses, there would be silences and silence create a natural rhythm in a real life conversation. But when it happens on a video call, you become a bit, anxious about it and it makes people uncomfortable and there was a study by German academics in 2014 that showed that delays on the phone or conference system shaped our views of people negatively so even a delay of 1.2 seconds made people perceive the person speaking as less friendly or less focused as well and I think it is and I think people people fear silence on a on a call perhaps they don't want to be silent so you know if you and I were solving a problem or discussing a problem face to face we would probably take a minute to digest something and have a bit of a think um where that would feel less natural on a on a you know on an online encounter 
But Katie, you mentioned something interesting about communicating online. And you said that when you were doing your training, you like to see people's faces because um, you want to know if they've got the head in the hands, or if they look confused or if they look happy. And I think this is one of the tips. If we start to move now into what can we what can we do? If you are you know, doing a presentation or a conference call or a pitch to a client or something and you're doing it and you can't see their faces, a really good discipline to get into is to let go of the need to see people's faces. So I find that fellow trainers do this when I train them on online delivery is that they feel like they almost really need that reaction in the room. And if they're not getting that instant feedback by looking at people's faces in the room, they're really stumped and they feel really lost. And I would say a few things to this. The first one I would say is just because you can see people's faces in a room doesn't mean that you know how they're feeling really. So some people will <laughs> smile. Uh, also, like my woman I mentioned before who has resting bored face. I thought she hated it. She was actually really engaged. Um, but the other one is, you know, what it means. All it means is you've got to verbalise things that were not perhaps verbalized before and I've noticed that people are having to to bring things out into the open but I don't think that's a bad thing so if you're delivering a presentation I would say don't just talk at people pause and either use the tools on your online software to get a tick or a thumbs up to say I just give me a tick to let me know you're following me or just type three words into the chat box to tell me to describe how you're feeling at this point or just type three words in the chat box to give me your initial thoughts and what we've got so just pause regularly and just get either a thumbs up a score of one to ten a few words and if you're not sure just call it out just ask people so look you've gone silent there guys um give me some feedback what you're thinking or just pause after each section and just say you know it's it does everybody understand that how how do you feel about what i've just shared with you so we're having to having to verbalize things that were not verbalized and we're probably having to really clearly verbally signpost and bring to the surface these reactions verbally that you would otherwise get face to face but i think that can make communication that's more honest it just feels a bit weird to begin with but it works really really well and i think also part of it is setting up the the atmosphere of the training at the very beginning and making sure that people do feel comfortable you know you were saying sometimes you've been surprised at how open people have been and I think it can go either way it can be people kind of actually open up because it feels like a safer space but I think the other other thing can happen as well is that people can feel almost more vulnerable um, especially if like you say something's being recorded or it kind of puts them front and center if they might be somebody that was kind of comfortable contributing in a, in a sort of subtle way at the back but on, there is no there is no kind of hierarchy in a, in a Zoom call. You know, they can't just sit at the back and grab me as I'm walking around. I mean, they can private message me. But, you know, sometimes in a physical training room, you'll have somebody who's a bit shy to start with and they might start talking to one other person and then that will kind of evolve into a group discussion. So I think it's hard to get that same element online. But I think what I've found is definitely just kind of almost just being a bit silly at the start. And that works for the kind of brand that I want to put across as well. But like just setting the scene and having it, you know, getting them to respond to things which aren't pressurised at all and aren't 
risking them failing or looking stupid or anything because that's ultimately why people generally don't respond is either they don't need to respond because they actually did understand it or they don't want to say that they didn't understand it because they don't want to look stupid so if we actually take away that fear of looking stupid by being a bit stupid at the start altogether then i think that does make a difference too yeah but i, I mean the other the other side of that i find is um if you're communicating online with people actually sometimes you've got like a chat function if you're face to face with people someone who's a bit more reflective who has more of an introversion preference they like to think than write. So what I find is that if you're doing a group meeting or presentation, if you actually get people to type their responses first, then um, you, what you find is you'll get uh, maybe, depending how many in your, t- in your audience, you will get 10 responses, 10 people's opinions at once. Now, of course, you can't do that when you're in a face-to-face meeting because that would be chaos mm. if everyone speaks at the same time. So you find it's a great equaliser. So those who want to, you know, some people construct their sentence and as they're constructing their sentence, they form their thought. So then when you, you speak to them and you address them directly, they're more forthcoming because they're just expanding on what they've written. So I find for people who do have that fear, it gives them forewarning but definitely that's a good technique if you're in a group call don't just pounce on someone I, um uh, with when i work with creative edge we use what we call pose pause pounce so you kind of pose the question and i normally give the person a heads up so i'd say oh katie actually that's something i was going to ask you then i pause then i pose my question i give a little pause and then i go right yeah could you just explain that to me so yeah give someone a heads up say their name so they prick their ears up then ask the question and then <laughs> segue into it so that they can they can come in like you say Katie make it safe to contribute I mean we the, the, other, the other tip I would give if you are doing group interaction or you're on a meeting with a series of you know stakeholders um, I would say if you want people to speak up let's say you're doing a presentation or you're you're sharing a proposal I would say always get everyone on the call interacting and preferably speaking really early on so if you've got a stakeholder meeting first of all get on the call early and verbally welcome and speak to each person as an individual is another top tip so I always get there five minutes early as people dial in I start that initial chat that you would do if you were meeting face to face you'd have a coffee wouldn't you and you'd, you'd you know you'd ask them how they are but then when the when it starts either using chat or using um I don't know, you could use polling, but get people to, to speak or share or do something because that sets the tone. They're not going to sit there passively with their cup of tea, their child on their lap and a, a TED talk in the background. It, it gives, it set, you start as you mean to go on. It sets the scene. So even if it's just like, oh, you know, you saw the papers, can you just give me three, you know, three, wor- three words on what you said on the paper? Or could you, um, each person just type in one thing they'd like to get from today's meeting or go around the houses? That will get people speaking from the beginning you're less likely to be met with a wall of silence, which, as we all know, is just the worst thing. I know, I wish there was a tumbleweed emoji so I could just, like, put that sometimes. That'd be great. Or a gif. (laughs) And then that's a cue for somebody to speak up, because normally I think people... Like, like normally it's me. So like, I'm the one that if I can, if somebody's asked a question and no one's answering, I'm like, okay, well, I'm quite happy to speak, but I was the one that did the speaking last time. So I want to hang back and wait for somebody else to speak. But I also don't want to leave the presenter or the trainer hanging for too long. So if I'm kind of, if I've given everybody else enough of a chance to speak and the trainer enough to, or whoever's facilitating it enough of a chance to pick somebody else, then I will jump in if I have something to say. I mean, that's been me since I was at school, you know, I was like, no one else is putting the hand up. Okay, poor teacher, right? I'm going to put my hand up. Yeah, people do feel for you. But remember, it's cultural as well. So I was doing some training with people from the UAE this week. And culturally, you know, people generally don't, 
don't speak up in public forums like that so that was that really makes the training a bit challenging it's not that people are being rude it's just not the done thing um and yeah. so sometimes we have to be mindful of that too yeah and and so there is something about that personal connection so something i wanted to discuss with you katie because we make our show notes and sometimes we don't always agree so one tip for me if you're feeling isolated or you want to make that personal connection with people when you're communicating over distance my top tip i tell people is this um at the beginning of every email at the beginning of every phone call just ask after the person before you ask after the business because if you do that on a regular basis you'll get to know information about people then if you follow up and ask after it then you build rapport and I've got great relationships with people who I've never met just from doing this consistently so I ask after their children I know what they're doing at the weekend when I speak to them the following week I ask them how it was we've got great chat never ever met them in my life I would even go as far to say if there's people that you already know or work with regularly to keep that personal flow going so you're not just interacting on a work basis all the time I would say ring them up from time to time particularly if you're getting quieter and they need you less just ring up from time to time not touting for business just ask after them and say just checking in seeing how this latest news is impacting you or I saw on Facebook or LinkedIn you did this and that just thought I'd ring and say hi nothing urgent um just thought I'd say hello if it's inconvenient, I'll, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll, let's catch up another time. But I, I do this because people generally appreciate it. It creates that personal connection. You're not just going to them when you need something and it helps with that feeling of isolation. So it's really hard to do. It feels artificial, but in no time at all, it just becomes natural. But Katie hates this. I hate that. I hate it so much. I hate, I hate it when people ring me out of the blue, unscheduled, if it's not for a reason. Like if I see a, if I see something ringing on my phone, and this kind of applies to my friends too, I think I might be a horrible person, but like spontaneous communication. I think it's just because I'm a millennial and it's just phone calls are just still slightly weird for me. I'm not even a real millennial. I'm like missed out by like a few days. Oh, but... I heard I heard a term the other day. What was it? It was a, a, a ex exennial. Xennial, yeah, Xennial, Xennial. I think I'm a Xennial. Um, I can't even remember what that means, but you're between, a you're between Gen spirit. X and Millennial, between the two. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's people that remember what it was like before the internet and before technology, but as uh, but sort of but are also quite comfortable using it. I think that's roughly what it is, um, which is very much me. It's pretty much half my life ago that all the technology started to really kick off. So. But yeah, I just, I, I like, if someone rings me I'm my, and, and I'm not expecting a call from them, my instant reaction is, what's wrong? Like, what's, there must be a problem. Something bad has happened. Why are they phoning me otherwise? We haven't scheduled this call. Um, so I would not like it if somebody rang me up with no reason. Um, I have a few people that I do know that do that do, do that. And so I kind of, if, if it's one of them, then I'm like, oh, okay. And sometimes I'll answer and sometimes I won't. But I think sometimes I feel bad for not answering, but they know that I live my life in a very scheduled way. So it's actually okay. How, how would you feel about messaging? What if someone just messaged you out the blue? Oh yeah, messaging, absolutely. Like a hundred percent, like WhatsApp me till death. Like, honestly, I'm just, I will accept an unlimited number of WhatsApp messages. So 
I'm very, very happy with messaging. I will even tolerate voice notes at a push, oh. although they do kind of annoy me. I hate mess- I hate WhatsApp messages. There's notifications every five minutes. We are like chalk and cheese. We should do a sitcom, you know, like an unlike. We should. Because <laughs> seriously, like, I cannot stand WhatsApp pinging all the time. It's like, ah, no, I hate it. I'm in the neighbourhood WhatsApp group now for the first time. And it, I, on one hand, I love meeting my neighbours. On the other hand, it, I would I would now want to kill all my neighbours. See, I just mute them if I'm getting a bit bombarded with notifications notifications and so it's fine and just kind of check in on it every so often like there's a few that I'm in where I'm yeah sort of not I don't really know the people it's more just sort of stay on top of what's happening Uh, like there's a local swimming one um in North Wales but it's not actually in Anglesey so most of the people most of the time swim somewhere that's about an hour and a half away from me so it's not very feasible for me to go but I, I want to know when they do go to Anglesey but then if it evolves into like a random chat, then I just mute it. But if once, when it's kind of useful information, I kind of still glad that I'm in it. But like, yeah, I mean like client, I encourage clients to WhatsApp me. And that's probably the main way that I communicate with clients. As you know, I say like, look, if it's not urgent or you need to sort of send attachments or something, then email me. But like, if it's a quick question, just WhatsApp me. And I just feel like, you know, if I see I've got a WhatsApp, if I haven't got time to look at it, you know, you can kind of expand it from the top of your phone. So I can see roughly what they're asking me about. But I just don't click on it, so it doesn't show as red. So then they know I've not read it yet. And that's, yeah, I, I love WhatsApp. I love it so much. But yeah, voice notes annoy me a little bit. But I kind of I kind of like them because I think that it does allow you to get more personality into it. And it's nice to hear people's voices. But sometimes when I'm in a situation where I can't listen to it as easily, then it annoys me. And sometimes I just want to like skim something rather than take five minutes to listen to it. Yeah. But I think it is nice to hear people's voices and like like you say, it was a bit more a bit more towards that real communication. Get a bit more context. I'd rather I'd rather someone leave me a voice note that actually explains what they're talking about than give me a lengthy text that would do my head in, I think. Um oh, see, I like I'm very but I'm a wordy person. Like I love words, written words. I'm such a sort of a visual person in that sense. In, in that like I like to read something and take it in and I definitely learn best by writing things down and reinforcing them and like how I organize everything is all very like word based so for me I prefer it but that, so, so I think I guess the learning from this is actually it's that not everybody has the same communication preferences you know when you're meeting face to face if you you know if you're having a physical in-person meeting that's just you know that's how you have to communicate with people but actually now it's taken a step back from that there's so many options for communicating and so maybe one of the things is actually to check in what people's preferences are and if you don't share the same preferences then you know you can kind of chop and change so that it's a bit of a compromise or if you know I would probably lean towards indulging my client's preferences because they're the client um, and they're paying me so I kind of feel like within reason I'm happy to kind of use what what they want to use um but I probably wouldn't go out of my way to you know use a brand new app that I'd never used just because they were using it or anything like that but I mean I I try to get people off text because I don't have very good mobile signal here and so I'm just like don't text me I won't get it and I think I think that's a good tip Katie not everyone's going to keep the same hours now either so some people are taking breaks in the afternoon to look after the children and then they go back to it or they swap with their partner 
um but no i i agree you can flex flex to the client but the other one is to have you know you've got lots of different communi- communication channels so instant message email chat tech whatsapp video voice call you know teams skype whatever and i think but it can be useful sometimes to just agree what the rules of engagement are but also use different channels for different things so um very long time ago i used to run a direct selling business and people used to send like try to place orders via whatsapp and it's like no that's not appropriate if you want to chat or message let's do whatsapp if you want a more formal inquiry then email me and if it's actually something more personal then we should we should talk on the phone so i think it's just agreeing about which channels to use for which types of communication as well as just people's preference as well And actually, when we are communicating online, like you say, there's so many different things people can contact you by. You know, there's Facebook Messenger. I know that's, you know, real beef that you have, Michelle, is that you can't, there's no way for you to tell people when they message you, I'm not going to read this, um, if they message you via your personal messenger. Um, So, you know, there's Facebook Messenger, which luckily I don't get anybody contacting me via. But I think I I have in the past, when I was a bit more active on Facebook, um, there's Instagram direct messages. You know, there's people tagging you on comments and asking you questions there's uh there's whatsapp there's text there's email there's forums where there's private messaging twitter dms like there's so many different ways people can get in touch with you and so i think a little bit is yeah just kind of managing those channels to to the managing expectations so people understand if they message you through that they maybe get an initial response that says this isn't the, the channel for to kind of carry on this conversation with let's move it on to email or let's move it on to because then you can actually take a bit of control and have it in a way that works for you and your communication style as well and as long as they're happy with that as well it might just be that they happened to be on instagram and so they just went for it there but they're quite happy to use email as well you know, don't always assume that just because someone's instigated a conversation on one particular communication platform that that's how it always has to be you can just move it yeah, I think that's that's a good idea, definitely. But it's, it's particularly, I'm just redoing my GDPR training now, Katie, as well. So some in some cases we have to take uh, have to have records of our conversations. And if uh, I don't know about your privacy policy, try to stay awake here. But uh, you should keep a record of where all your data is held. And of course, that changes from platform to platform. So that's something to consider also. Yeah, mine does reference WhatsApp and text messages as well because I know people do genuinely send me information on there. Yeah. So. It does. It does actually say that specifically. Yeah, and I, again, that's a bit of a dry thing, but probably something you, a lot of freelancers maybe don't think about, but something we need to consider as well. Uh, and that is a whole it gets into a whole other subject of if you are communicating over distance, is that communication secure? But that might be a topic for another day. And then we were talking about. Um, because you and I have said this before, like you does it. I think some people are just trying to replace the face-to-face interactions with video. And we've talked about where it works in an informal setting, where we're just sitting around chatting or having a beer or working across the desk. But um, I don't think it always has to be the default option, as you say, Katie. So people just assume, oh, I like seeing your face. I like getting the non-verbal clues. We'll do a video call. But that actually drives me a bit crazy. Like I say, if there's nothing I'm particular I'm looking at, I'd rather speak to someone on the phone and actually be able to write notes, but also to really tune into a, photo, a tone of voice. And I think sometimes people forget that you can really get a huge amount of information from someone's uh, voice and their tone. And that actually, when you take the video away, it forces you to tune in, not just to what they're saying, but how they're saying it. 
and you can pick up on a lot more sometimes than you can over video which could be quite artificial and I was having this discussion with a bunch of coaches and they're broadly in agreement which is given all the different 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 styles of coaches that we've got in the room it was interesting that the consensus generally was yeah if you don't need to see the person you're not referring to a document or a whiteboard actually coaching can be be better just over voice call and I think that's true for a lot of business interactions actually but I'm not sure what your experience with that is yeah I think that's probably true I think like I'm still doing phone calls that not not every interaction I'm doing is via zoom I think for multiple people it probably is slightly easier especially if it's not somebody that you know very well so if you're not familiar with people's voices then a phone call with multiple people can be quite challenging I think um you know, you have to keep reminding people to say who they are when they speak and things. But yeah, I think, I mean, I like the idea of what you said is actually doing it via Zoom so you can still see who's speaking, but with the video off, that could actually be quite a good way of doing it in a focused way, but taking advantage of, you know, the, the stuff that Zoom does offer or other platforms are available. I know, I was thinking the same thing. It's just everything's been Zoom at the minute, isn't it? And it's not even my favourite. It's not even my, it's not even my favourite. I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, just, 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 I, I like, uh, of all of them, I do like Zoom, but um, yeah, just replace Zoom with video conferencing technology whenever you hear us say it. But yeah, I think, I, I do, yeah, I quite, I do quite like phone calls um, with clients and stuff. I don't, yeah, sometimes you just don't need the video and it's just a distraction, like you say. So yeah, I think it just depends on the situation. I think normally if it's a first if someone's got in touch with me, say via email, and it's an initial conversation, then I tend to do a video chat the first time I speak to them, because then it's that sort of, oh, let's see each other's faces and like, let's kind of feel a bit more like we know each other. But then after that, then yeah, phone calls probably fine. To be honest, I, I much prefer for things like if a client is giving me feedback, I would rather they emailed it to me because then I have it there really clear and I don't have to try and make notes on it or anything as I'm doing it. And then I give them the option afterwards to say, if, you know, send me over your feedback by email, but then if you want to chat it through to clarify anything, we can do a call or we can do a Zoom where we share the screen or whatever. So you can share your screen with me and talk through what you were meaning. But beyond that, yeah, I don't, I don't always feel the need to do video particularly. Yeah, I, I, I do, do prefer that. That, that says video, so you say video, video can be really good um, for, like you say, these initial introductions. And I think another tip is if you're going to use video, and I have this debate, Katie, I don't know what you think about this, but I've seen consultants on LinkedIn that will, will do offer a consultancy service where they'll make, consult with how to make your background in video calls look professional. And I've seen like a photo of someone I know on LinkedIn before and after, and she, like, she's pictured herself by her lovely fire place she's made the the vases on her mantel place she's put symmetrical vases on there and there's a plant pot and I know I know styling your the background of your room and personally I think that it is the I mean you want to look professional and tidy not like a teenager's bedroom but actually I think the quirkiness of your environment is great and the little knickknacks that you keep around your desk the sentimental stuff is good and if you have a pet or a child that pops up on on a on a call rather than I think back in the day you might have ushered that person out like that video on the BBC with a guy who had his kids. Uh, everyone, I mean, that's just the most 2020 video, even though it wasn't in 2020. So yeah, and people love it. And uh, I've got a friend that calls that. Uh, what she say? T- t- you know, uh, turn on the distractions. So rather than turning the distractions off, almost turn them on and bring them into the call if it's appropriate. And I think that can give a bit of a personal touch. Oh yeah, like I like, if my cat is on my lap 
and it's out of view I try and like coax it into view because then it's a nice talking point and everyone's like oh how's your cat oh and like you said you know make make those connections when you when you know, that that's one of the ways we communicate is is like on a personal level not just on a business level so if you then remember, oh, that person had a cute cat, you can ask after it next time. Or if they were like, oh, sorry about the noise in the background, we're having some home renovations done. That means that's an opportunity for you to then say, oh, how's your home renovations going? So there's all those subtle clues that you get when you kind of get that insight into people's lives a bit more that you wouldn't get if you were in some kind of faceless meeting room somewhere. So I think it's actually quite good in a way. Yeah, I think, and and, and fun. I think that's the other thing, isn't it, Kate? It, 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 it's fun. So if you've got a, you know, if you've got a, a sort of a personal connection, then I think don't be afraid to have a bit of fun with people, uh, with clients. It could be good to bring these in, even if you haven't done it before. As Katie said, just ask after their cats or after after their their decoration. It can create, uh, you know, build bridges and build rapport. But if it's with your peers, um, you know, we've mentioned we've met other freelancers on Zoom. And then on a Friday, we've had, people on the background and we've just chatted across the desk as we've done our work on a Friday and maybe finish off with a beer once a month and I think it's really important to do things like that I think if you're stuck at home for quite a while you can feel quite isolated and it sounds like chatting across the desk while on a video call to people when you've got no purpose wouldn't really do a great deal for you but personally I I found that it has um and and you've heard a uh, zoom pubs everyone's sick of zoom quizzes i've played taskmaster via zoom we've we've had a few games actually haven't we katie on the on the friday calls yeah yeah we've done that uh, we did bingo didn't we, yeah, we did. <laughs> that was the most that was <laughs> so yeah i think there's lots of ways that we can still communicate online um so michelle at the end of each episode we normally do um our kind of top takeaways like our one tip either something that we've mentioned that you kind of say like yeah this is the thing that I would do above all else to solve this problem or just something we haven't mentioned yet. So Michelle, what would your top tip be in terms of communicating online, especially in these times? I think my top tip, Katie, would be to, I talked about making the implicit, explicit, verbalising things. I would say, I would say be proactive in maintaining those personal connections. So I mentioned asking after people in email or we've said on video or phone call. That would be it for me. That might have been implied before when you met over coffee um, or if you met, you know, in a, in a public meeting space. I would suggest try and proactively bring that in now. It, it will feel a little self-conscious at first, but it will definitely pay dividends if you keep it up. And after no time, it will feel quite natural. Yeah, I think mine's probably similar in that, in, in that kind of bring the bring the bring the non-work into the work conversations so just find ways to connect outside of necessarily the kind of professional topic that you're talking about with somebody if it's a client or whatever um so i think yeah for me it would be just be be silly or or you know it might feel a little bit like a cheesy icebreaker but can you do something if you've got a group or or something to say like okay like you know introduce yourselves and say um you know say like you know do something well I mean like I've seen like um on zoom you can do like drawing you can like have a kind of canvas where you can draw on it so one thing's like you know everyone draw something that they can see from their window or everyone put an emoji that sums up like how they're feeling right now or something but just something a bit silly and a bit less professional to sort of to kind of kick it off and put people at ease a bit more I think is probably what I would go for especially in a group environment so We'd love to hear how you're managing 
with communicating online. So as always, we're at 99problemscast on Twitter. That's the number 99, problems, and then cast as in podcast. And of course, if you've got any ideas about future problems you'd like us to tackle, then get in touch and let us know. And if you want to make sure you catch all of our episodes, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of 99 Problems, but a boss ain't one.